Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together with Bruce, my husband, we have written 35 cookbooks. It's hard to believe, including such crazy James Beardy books as Ham, An Obsession with the Hindquarter, and Vegetarian Dinner Parties. But right now, we're all about our brand new book, The Instant Air Fryer Bible, a fabulous, can I dare say about my own book, a fabulous Yes, yes you can. If you don't, I will. About using your air fryer, easy recipes, nothing terribly complicated, great hand pies, great fries. And what my favorite thing about that book is a lot of recipes for how to make frozen fare better. So how to make better frozen onion rings mm-hmm. and better frozen French fries in your air fryer. Check out the book, The Instant Air Fryer Bible. It's out right now. But in this podcast, we're not talking about that. We're continuing on our roll with (laughs) holiday gifts that we think would make great house gifts or gifts for anyone in your life or maybe just for yourself. We've got a one-minute cooking tip. We've got an interview with Lay Shishak about plant-based cooking. And finally, we're going to end up with what's making us happy in food this week. Okay, let's get going with our holiday gift guide. We met the people at Oshadina, A-C-H-A-D-I-N-H-A.com, and they pronounce it Oshadina. They, it's Portuguese, by the way. Mm, they are a Portuguese family and in Central California. They are a dairy farm. They make a cheese called Cowpricious. Mm. It's a hand-rolled mm. aged cheese made mm. from goat and cow milk, mm. aged for up to a year. It's unbelievable. It's a hard grating cheese that's very complex, more complex even than Parmesan. It pairs well with fruit. It goes good on salads. You can grate it on pasta. You can put it on pizza or in risotto. It is one of our favorite cheeses. We discovered them when we were writing the goat book. Yeah, we we wrote wrote the only book published in North America on goat. It's goat meat milk cheese. It's about cooking goat. It's about goat milk recipes and goat cheese recipes. And we actually spent a morning at their farm in central North Central California. And I believe they're at the Ferry Terminal Market. They used to be. They may still they be may still there, be there but for you can, all I know. You can go to their website, which is oshadina.com. And again, you do not need to stop your car and write this down. If you go to the, when you get home, if you go to the bottom of the podcast listing, there's more information. All of these websites for all the things we're recommending are there. I will make and, sure you have it right there in the notes for the podcast. And you want to get their Calpricious. It is an amazing, it's complex, crazy. hard cheese that I guarantee you nobody in your life has had. No, and you can use it in the place of Parmigiano Reggiano. Mm-hmm. You can use it in the place of Romano cheeses. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful cheese, and to be honest with you, I see Bruce eat it with pear preserves mm-hmm. on toast yum. in the morning. Yum, 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 yum. You know, you cut a little piece of cheese, you put pear preserves on your toast, and then you put the cheese on top of that. It's a really delicious find. Okay, here's a second mm. holiday gift, Tropical Fruit Box. Dot com And I don't have to spell it for you, but it's really what it is. <laughs> Tropicalfruitbox.com. If you're looking for something different and you don't want to just send a package of oranges or grapefruits, which, which I know they're lovely to get I the Texas love, Ruby Red grapefruits. I love that. But how about sending or getting for yourself a giant jackfruit or a box of rambutans? Oh, well, now you're talking. Or pink pineapples, white guavas, red bananas, golden papayas. You can get all of this stuff. You can get a box of all of them, or you can mix it up and create your own tropical fruit blend. 
Oh, rambutans. I don't know if you know what they are, but they're these hairy red fruits <laughs> that have all these hairy threads all over them, hairy long tendrils coming out of the fruit. And you peel them back, and they're kind of like lychees, kind of. You peel them back, and you basically suck a very sweet aromatic fruit off a very hard pit. Um, yeah, center. imagine a lychee that looks more like a coronavirus cell. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. <laughs> that, 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 wow, that's so great. Well, go out and trap topgirlfruitbox.com and get yourself a big box of coronavirus. Um, so that's just fabulous. Um, they, I love rambutans. I love all of this kind of stuff. And it's hard to find sometimes these tropical fruits. If you live near a large Chinatown, you can often find mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. But um, for the rest of us, for example, where we live in rural New England, no, this is happening. impossible. And tropicalfruitbox.com is such a great way to send fruit, which is a common holiday thing to send. And let me say, I do love Texas ruby red grapefruits. I'm a Texas boy, and I love getting a box of them because I do think they are superior to almost any other grapefruit out there. But don't fight me on that one and don't at me. But get yourself a jackfruit. Get yourself a rambutan. Try them. Try something new and different. That's great. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is HaydenFlowerMills.com. H-A-Y-D-E-N-F-L-O-U-R-Mills.com. It's a stone mill in the Arizona desert, and these guys are a small family-run business, and they grind and package whole grains. Mm-hmm. And that is a fabulous thing in and of itself. They do have bread flour and pasta flour and even packaged pancake mixes, mm-hmm. but we love them because they have been in collaboration with Macienda and Jorge, and you know that we have talked about Macienda and Jorge on this podcast more than once. Yep, and you know that Jorge <laughs> at Macienda sells all sorts of masa harina. Well, he has gone in collaboration with Hayden Flower Mills, and they're packaging a stone ground Sonora flower mm. with his mm. masa harina. You get a flower blend for soft, puffy tortillas that gives you the best of corn tortillas and flour tortillas without you having to decide which, because I can never decide. Wow. It's a nice idea for a really serious foodie in your life, this Hayden Flour Mills, because these kind of flours are sometimes hard to lay your hands on. Um, It's difficult in modern supermarkets, even in high-end supermarkets, to find obscure whole grains milled like this. And it's nice to support family businesses, I am sure, that they would appreciate your Christmas business. Our next place is a little larger than just a family business. It's GroceryLanka.com, and that's grocery just like grocery store, and then Lanka like Sri Lanka, L-A-N-K-A, GroceryLanka.com, and it is a website in well, a retail establishment it is. that yep. has a billion Sri Lankan specialties. They have a huge variety of coconut sambals and pole sambal, which is made with dried fish. Sambal is a condiment. Yeah. So in Sri Lanka, yeah. it's and it's not very wet. It's actually kind of dry. It's a it's yeah. a spicy, flavorful it, chili it condiment. It can be unbelievably hot. Yes, it, it can also be not unbelievably hot. There are milder sambals. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a story about a sambal in a minute. They sell endless kinds of curry powders and paste, like the AMK beef curry paste I used last week for a stew. It was hot. It was fragrant. Expand your pantry with this place. It was It took my head off. It was fat. We had to have it with rice because the rice helped calm it down (laughs) a bit. But 
wow, was it a delicious Sri Lankan curry. Bruce and I used to teach cooking classes, and this is not about Sri Lankan food, but we used to teach cooking classes on Holland America ships. And you probably know that cruise ships are staffed by people from all over the world. And they tend, and this is a little bit racially charged, but they tend to group people into groups like the Filipinos are the bartenders and the this is the that, and the Romanians are the waiters. And why they do that, to be honest with you, it does have racial overtones, but they also do that because that that way, the waiters can quickly talk to each other, or the bartenders can quickly talk they can to each other. They train each other really easily. Correct, yeah. because they speak a home language together, mm-hmm. and so they can, you know, help each other out. And there are all kinds of problems with this, so I'm not glossing over the problem. But much of the dining room staff, when we were on the Holonerica ships, were from Bali, mm-hmm. and they would mm, bring our food to our table, and we would ask them if they had sambal. And, of course, they would bring us the the standard sambal olek. And then we would ask them if they had sambal baljak, which was which is kind of an Indonesian specialty. Mm-hmm. And we would get upped in the rankings from them. <laughs> we actually had one guy once go down to his personal cabin and get his bottle of sambal baljak. Because there was none in the dining room because, for the white people. And I'm sure that was totally <laughs> illegal to bring it into oh, the yeah. dining room. But he brought it from his cabin. It was probably illegal cabin. to bring it onto the ship. But. Oh, I don't know. But <laughs> sambal baljak is hot. I mean hot, but boy, is it good on roast pork. Well, a lot of Sri Lankan things are hot. I mean, Sri Lankan food sort of starts its heat and its flavor profiles from southern India, so it's very, very hot food in general. I'm sure those but are fighting words They right probably there. are. But if you go to GrowSriLanka.com, just just go shopping. Just go through all the pages. Look at all the curry powders. Look at all the spice blends. Look at the paste. Buy one or two. Expand your pantry. Expand your palate. And finally, here is a website to try for gifts for the special people in your life. Mm. It's WorldWideChocolate.com. And I don't need to spell it. It's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. WorldWideChocolate.com. This website and retail establishment carries chocolate bars from all over the world. My favorite right now from them is the single origin bars from the maker Bonat. Bonat is a French chocolate maker, and they make these single origin bars. And my favorite ones they make are the dark milk chocolate bars from Mexico and Indonesia. A lot Indonesia. of people may not know what dark milk chocolate is. It's such a new thing. Mm. I mean, it's such a new thing on the American market. It is. Well, milk chocolate in general, like if you buy Hershey's milk chocolate, you're getting a about 30% cocoa solids if you're lucky. Sometimes it could be as low as 20. The thing about these dark milk chocolates, you're looking at cocoa solids at 50, 60%, even Mm. 65%. So you have a creamier milk chocolate, but with the super high cocoa solids. So it has the flavor of a bittersweet or dark chocolate, but it's as creamy, as rich as milk chocolate. I love that. Fabulous. I mean, really, it will be impossible for you not to eat these things straight down. Only the price will stop you from eating them (laughs) one after the other. They have also at worldwidechocolate.com the entire line of chocolate bars from Francois Pralu in Paris. If you don't know about Francois Pralu, what can I tell you except I'm sorry? 
Those bars are amazing. Yeah, what they offer up are these dark chocolate bars filled with different fillings. Our favorite, the pistachio praline bar. They also have a nougat-filled bar. They have an orange Mm. ganache-filled bar. Mm. But the pistachio praline is worth the price of admission if you're willing to spend $27 on a bar of chocolate. (laughs) I was about to say, if you're willing to cash out your IRA (laughs) for a chocolate bar. So let's just say those are our (laughs) holiday gift guides. You don't have to have remembered any of this. It's going to be in the notes for this podcast episode you can find those notes you just drop down in spotify drop down in apple podcast it's right below there's a whole thing about what the segments of this podcast are i will leave all this in the notes and you can find it there let me also say before we go on to our one minute cooking tip that it would be great if you could subscribe to this podcast if you could rate it that would be spick Thank you for taking the time to do that. We really appreciate your being on this journey with us. Oh, note my good grammar. Your oh, being. Your, well, whose journey your, is it? It's your whose journey. journey, right? Using the possessive before <laughs> a Jaron. We really appreciate <laughs> your being on this journey with us. Uh, once an English PhD, always an English PhD. Up next, our grammar snob. One minute cooking. You bet. Our one minute cooking tip. Think beyond salt and pepper for finishing a dish. Yes, we all like to salt food when it comes to the table, but a drop or two of acid is also a great way to brighten up the flavor. So what do I mean by acid? Lemon juice, lime juice, balsamic vinegar. you cannot do this acid trick if it's a cream sauce. No, because it will curdle it. But I'm talking about even just a steak or a burger. Mm. You may Mm -hmm. want to salt and pepper Mm -hmm. the steak. Mm -hmm. Think about a squeeze of lemon. Mm -hmm. Think about a few drops of aged balsamic. Mm -hmm. Think about a white wine vinegar. Mm -hmm. These are things that will knock the flavor out of the I will, I will tell you that I actually don't like, uh, here we go, this is a big controversial thing. I don't like cheeseburgers. I don't like cheese on burgers because I like burgers super rare. Kosher? And, yeah, <laughs> because I'm kosher. Um, and because I like burgers so super rare that the cheese never really fully melts before I think a burger is done. So I'm not a fan of cheeseburgers. But, of course, I go places and there are cheeseburgers to be had. And I'm not always comfortable ordering super rare burgers, let's say, when we're out on the road and I'm in some place that I don't know where the meat comes from. So I'll order a cheeseburger and let me just say a squeeze of lemon juice on a cheeseburger is a fine thing in life. Up next, Bruce's interview with Lei Shishek. She's the author of Easy Plant-Based Cooking for Two. We love the idea of cooking for two. And more and more in our house, we love the idea of plant-based cooking. I'm here today with Lei Shishek. She is the author of Farm to Table Desserts and Beach House Baking. And she is back with a new book, Easy Plant-Based Cooking for Two, Delicious Vegan Recipes to Enjoy Together. Hey, Lei, welcome. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So until the COVID pandemic, I read you were a staunch meat eater. So wow, and plant-based book. So what changed for you? Yeah, my life changed as did many others, I'm sure. But um, um, aside from COVID happening, uh, a big event that happened in March of 2020 was that I sold my bakery, which I had owned for 10 years. And um, my 10-year lease was up. It was already set. The sale was done. And then uh, the pandemic hit as well. And so I was stuck at, at home, as was <laughs> as was everyone else. 
And um, I kind of took a step back. My health was not the best. So um, I decided to um, go the route of not taking medicine and instead, you know, doing some natural remedies like changing my diet. And so I had started hearing rumblings about plant-based this and plant-based that. So I searched online and did some research and it really sounded like the right path for me. So I had actually enrolled in a course at the T. Colin Campbell School of Nutrition, and um, they offer a plant-based course. And so I took it and I learned so much and was just really motivated to start incorporating plants into my diet. So that's that's um, what started the ball rolling on um, my diet change and also this new cookbook. I understand going plant-based. What made you decide to combine that idea with low volume recipes that only serve two? Well, the shortest and easiest answer is that I live in a household of two. It's my husband and me. And so it just made perfect sense. And secondly, I I read that over 60% of U.S. households, based on 2021 uh, numbers, are one to two people. And that really surprised me. I actually thought um, households were much larger, but uh, the majority is one to two. So, um, and there is this trend towards um, no waste cooking for two. So my editor and my agent loved it, thankfully, and and we, we jumped on it. And what tips do you have for people who are considering making the change you did, going from a meat-based diet to a plant-based diet? Start slowly, for sure. There's no reason to rush. I'm sure there's people out there who can go cold turkey, for lack lack of a better word. We're talking about plants here. But um, I I knew that I couldn't. I had eaten meat for so long. My husband also, you know, would not be pleased if I said we were going vegan and that's it. So, (laughs) and, you know, he also could never 100% go meat-free, for sure. So I started off as a lot of people did with um, meatless Mondays. It was the easiest thing to do where it's like, you know, I had all week to plan out what I was going to eat, you know, what plants we were going to have on Monday. And it took a lot of the stress away. So I would say definitely start slowly, meatless Mondays. Um, Another thing that helped me was to start viewing meat as a side dish as opposed to the main dish. And so fill your plate with veggies and then have a small portion, maybe a quarter of your plate be a, you know, a small amount of animal products. And that was really helpful because I still had my meat, but I had the majority of it being plants. And then maybe the last thing that comes to mind is, you know, and not everyone has a budget to afford that can, that can, um, that where they can do this, but there are a lot of great plant-based meal delivery companies. And um, if you can afford it, you know, to order maybe three three plant-based meals a week, it takes a lot of the stress away where you don't have to think about where you're going to make and instead it's just going to show up at your doorstep. In your book, you offer up some baked goods for breakfast and you talk about your surprise to find that it wasn't a struggle to bake without eggs or dairy. And I find that a surprise too. So how do you make morning coffee cakes or scones without eggs or dairy? Yeah, to my pleasant surprise, uh, it works out just fine. (laughs) So you're right. I do have some scones in there. I have a coffee cake. I've got some muffins as well and a really good garlic naan recipe too, which I adore. Um, But to answer your question, um, I I was hesitant. Dairy, I wasn't too scared about, but eggs, I was like, man, how do I bake without eggs? And um, most of the recipes I used a simple 
um, substitute of one egg equals one tablespoon vinegar plus one teaspoon baking soda. And now this does not work obviously perfectly for every recipe. It depends on what you're making and what other ingredients you have. But um, surprisingly, baking soda and vinegar, as many bakers know, it, it creates a chemical reaction that it's very foamy and it really helps to lighten and aerate a lot of baked goods. So it worked for me. And in um, my cookbook, I do have a page that's um, a helpful guide to quote unquote veganizing baked goods. And it's got a list of different egg substitutes you can use like um, flaxseed and warm water or chia seed and warm water. You can also with certain recipes substitute yogurt for egg. Um, and then I've got dairy substitutes uh, written as well. You also offer up a surprisingly savory French toast without eggs. Tell me about this dish. Yeah, so I've got a blackberry thyme French toast um, in my cookbook, and it's it's so embarrassingly simple, actually, um, but it's a really great and delicious alternative, especially if you're not eating eggs or you just happen to not have any eggs in your fridge. Um, so basically, you just warm up a little almond milk and you add some, you want to sweeten it and thicken it with a little powdered sugar. And then you can add whatever flavorings you like. In this case, I added some fresh thyme and cinnamon and vanilla. You warm that up, let it simmer for a few minutes, and then you want to soak um, any kind of thick rustic bread in it. And then you simply pan fry it, um, in this case, in a little vegan butter on both sides until golden. And it forms this nice kind of sugary, sweet crust on the bread. And I serve it with blackberries and maple syrup. You have a jackfruit burrito recipe in your book. And I'm sure a lot of US cooks don't know what jackfruit is. So talk about the ingredient and what to look for when you're buying it. Sure. Okay. So jackfruit is a great meat alternative for those um, who are not eating meat. It's It has a very like meaty texture. And when you purchase it unriped, which is how um, I use it in this book, it's great because it has a very neutral flavor. And so it takes on any flavors or spices that you want to add to it. If you have it when it right, when it's ripe, it's more of a sweet flavor and you can certainly have it, you know, as a sweet dessert or maybe a sweet ending to your meal. As far as buying it, I would recommend just buying it canned. It's so much easier and it's a great product when it's canned. You just want to look for young, unripe jackfruit. And you'll notice when you use it, it kind of pulls apart. It shreds apart really easily. And so a lot of people like to use it you know, as vegan pulled pork or vegan shredded chicken. So in this case, um, I do roast it at a high temperature with a lot of spices and um, pull it apart and I stuff it in a burrito with lots of delicious um, ingredients. And that's my jackfruit burrito. In your veggie burger recipe, you start off by saying that nothing is worse than a bad veggie burger. And I could not agree more. So what's in your recipe aside from the amazing tahini mustard sauce that makes your veggie burger so amazing? Well, yes, there's nothing worse than a veggie burger that falls apart in my mind, or it's just stuffed with beans and you just can't take so many beans at one time. So um, I wanted to create a veggie burger that um, was going to stay together and also, um, Instead of beans, I opted for mushrooms and lentils. So um, 
I love mushrooms because they give you that wonderful umami flavor and that meaty texture. So um, in this recipe, I saute the mushrooms for quite a while because I want to get out all of the liquid that's in mushrooms. And then I add some you know, chili powder, paprika, garlic, I use Worcestershire and, and that they really add umami and smokiness to the mushrooms. And then I mix it with lentils, which um, again, add meatiness to the patty and I bind it all together with a flax egg. And um, then I simply bake them in the oven and they get a um, nice crust on the outside. So it all stays together when you take a bite in it. I think anyone starting out in plant-based eating will fall in love with soba noodles. Can you talk about what they are and how you serve them up in your book? Yeah, I love soba noodles. They're so easy to work with. You know, you can serve them hot or cold. You can serve them hot in a soup um, or cold as in my cookbook. They boil really quickly. They're simply buckwheat noodles and they're very popular in Japanese cooking. So um, if you haven't tried it, I, them, I highly recommend it. They're absolutely delicious and really good for you. So in, um, in my recipe in the cookbook, so I make a chilled soba noodle salad with roasted vegetables. So I make a really simple ginger tamari dressing with some sesame oil and white wine vinegar and some shallots. And that comes together in like a minute. And then you just boil your noodles and um, rinse them with uh, some cold water. You want them to stop cooking because they can overcook pretty quickly. And then you just dump them in the dressing and let them chill in the fridge. And while they're, they're chilling, just roast up veggies. I think I used um, broccoli and tomatoes in my, in my recipe, but you can use your favorite vegetables, whatever you'd like, just roast them while the noodles are chilling and then serve them on the chilled noodles. And it's a really simple, easy meal. So your recipes are so delicious that I have to ask, if you are cooking for more than two people, can most of your recipes simply be doubled or tripled? They can. Absolutely. You know, I did my best to um, create easy recipes, as the book <laughs> says, and um, there's there's no kind of weird measurements, you know, no three eighths of a cup of this or, you know, <laughs> you know, half half of whatever, you know, they're very easy, you know, half cup, three quarter cup, one cup measurements. So you can easily double, you know, the, the recipe if you need to. Makes your book very useful to people with two person households, four person households, and the recipes are going to be delicious no matter what size you make them in. Lacey Shack, thank you for being with us. Your new book is Easy plant-based cooking for two delicious vegan recipes to enjoy together. Great. Good luck with the new book. And thanks for being here this morning. Thank you. I guess if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that I have made a resolution, which has kind of changed things around here, that I only eat meat. And by that, I mean any kind of meat, fish, shellfish, any kind of meat. I will only eat it once a day at most. And so it's kind of changed how I eat lunch and I don't eat uh, meat for breakfast anymore and all that kind of stuff. So I love this, the whole plant-based And thing. that's what Lay said, that if you're going to start a plant-based diet, start slowly. Start as you're doing, which is just, you know, one meal a day of flesh. And then you can go <laughs> gross, down to- Gross, Okay, you know, suddenly just, I don't want any meals a day. And then you can flesh. go down to five days a week, three days a week. So it starts slowly. No one should ever just- 
go cold turkey, as she said. And we, no, 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 intended. no, 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 you shouldn't go cold turkey. And really, honestly, I just love a chopped salad over some hummus. And that to me is my best day lunch. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Our final last and traditional segment. What's making us happy in food this week? And I'm going to, as usual, let you go first. Cupy mayonnaise. Oh, gosh. I am so in love with Cupy mayonnaise. Oh, my gosh. It's a sweet and eggy mayonnaise from Japan. It comes in a squeeze bottle. You can put it on okay, everything. Let me say right now, before we go into this, um, Cupy mayonnaise does not make me happy as a Southerner. I'm sorry. You just can't pry the dukes out of my mm. hand. But, okay. I don't like it in tuna I salad. I don't it like it as sweet. An, I mean, yeah, I don't like it as an ingredient. I love it as a condiment. Yeah, and there's all kinds of internet mythology that runs around Cupy mayonnaise because it's gotten really popular and there's all this stuff about oh it has shrimp paste in it or oh it has this and that for umami and none of that is true it's just not true it's yellow and very eggy it is very eggy it's probably msg'd a bit that no. would be my guess what isn't look yeah I keep a box of MSG in the pantry, and I sprinkle it on everything when I make Chinese food. There you go. So it probably is. Um, it's its own thing, QP mayonnaise. Okay, here's what's making me happy in food what? this week. We have not done this yet. So really, actually, this isn't making me happy in food this week. But by the time you hear this podcast, we will have spent a week in Toronto for the Thanksgiving holidays. And what's making me happy in food this week is food planning and <laughs> restaurant planning for Toronto. We have rented, Bruce has rented a really nice Airbnb downtown in a high, tall building and a loft up at the top somewhere. We are going to have great views, I hope, of Toronto. I hope it's going to be very cold. I hope, I hope, I want all these things to happen. And we have spent a long time thinking about the restaurants we're going to and that has to be one of the best parts of any trip. I love planning menus. I look at the menus online and sometimes I have to make two reservations a night because I can't decide where we're going to go. Oh, but we're very good. We cancel you. We cancel the ones we're not going to do. We don't just not, we're just not no-shows. No, um, but no, we do have lots of options. No, and we're not. We have a lot of places we're going to that don't take reservations too so we have even more choices we're going yeah. to and ramen, we're going to have sushi. And I love that, too, because, you know, we're going to stay in an Airbnb. And part of it also for me is the fun of thinking about that I might find some great market somewhere that has, I don't know, some great cheese or sliced meats or Canadian smoked meats. And I might just want to spend the night in and crack a bottle of wine open and have smoked meat from some fabulous delicatessen. Oh, I found an appetizing store, so we are doing uh, that. See, mm. this sounds like heaven to me. And so planning the food for a trip is as fun for me as it gets. I love worrying about this, thinking about it, deciding where to go, deciding whether we want to go up or down on any given night in terms of how fancy the restaurant is. That makes me very happy. And it also makes me happy, I have to say, to know that I'm going to Toronto knowing essentially my food is taken care of. What am I, what am I going to say? We don't like to go unplanned. No, that's right. And even if I cancel everything and stay in and open the wine and eat the smoked meat in my Airbnb, I like to know going in that I'm not going to have to go at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. What am I eating tonight? Where are you going to eat? No, go plan. Anytime like we travel, we have it planned. I know. We are big planners, which could explain how we wrote 35 cookbooks, which could explain this podcast, which could explain a lot of things. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark. We hope that you will be back with us next week for yet another episode. 
and subscribe. And if you can, leave a comment and join our Facebook group. And let's keep this conversation going on and off the air with Cooking with Bruce and Mark.